This is a fourth-hand production. You know, in the pasture, no one's ever seen a plane before. No one had ever seen this before. This was unheard of. And in those days, doing psychic readings was against the law in Canada. That law only got repealed July 1st, 2018. Wait a minute. Stop Yes, It was against the law? Against the law. Oh, I love Canada so much till right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) I'll get to that story. So so anyway, just just finish the story. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't uh, know. Planes that they're building. And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. Weird animal like creature that was shot, wolf like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome, everybody, to Strange Uncles. I believe I am Shane. I'm still John. Uh, fuck, I guess I'll, I'll be me. <laughs> I'm Josh. Is it one of those, I don't want to be me today, but I'm going to try to be me? Well, you know, I mean, I'm usually a little bit curmudgeonly, but today was actually not all that bad. Oh, God, thank God. <laughs> just a Tuesday. Just a I random know, you, Tuesday. You seem like you're in a, in a brighter mood than, than you know, rain cloud over you. Uh, well, you know, um, I had the chance to make some uh, Last Dragon references and jokes, texting you guys and another one of my friends uh, right before we started this, yeah. and that kind of just brightened my day up. I loved that movie when I was a child, by the way. Yeah, that was like my, that and they had a tape of like uh, Spider-Man cartoons, the ones that the Ramones did the theme song for. Oh, yeah. Uh, those those were my like go-tos on sick days from school when mom was like, all right, we're going to go to Top Hat Video. We're going to get, we're going to rent a VCR and a couple of tapes and you're going to shut the fuck up and leave me alone. <laughs> Top Hat Video. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't, yeah, that is insane. So my stay at home sick VHSs were uh, uh, an old porn called Catwoman that we passed around the junior high, and I just pretended to be sick and waited for my mom to drive down the uh, driveway. Well, well uh, there's that. <laughs> was that a porn, or are you talking about the movie with Halle Berry? No, it was a porn. Okay. Well, dude, that beats my. Uh... <laughs> I mean, she's real hot, so I thought maybe you were making a joke. Right. No, it is a joke now that I think back on. That's so funny. My horny childhood. That's I remember my first little porno that I used to hide. It was like ten Swedes at a pump or some shit oh, like wow. that. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Of course it was well, anyway. weird. Yeah, speaking of porn, <laughs> so um, here we are yet again. Uh, we are, you know, of course, caught in this winter vortex. I think Salt Lake has kind of lucked out a bit, but you know, I tell you, it has Friday been warm here. Yeah, it's, it's been, been warm, in the sixties but... in February when it, normally the daytime high is like twenty-two. Yeah, but like Friday, did you guys catch a snowstorm that literally was? gray snow that was there and gone yeah i need to wash my truck because of it Ooh, yeah everybody's driving around like that yeah yeah that that cleared some pollution out of the air hopefully yeah Yeah, it went all it went all on my truck (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) so there is that so anyway we're still surviving listeners where we're at um you know we're in the thick of uh early february as we continue this thing and uh we've got a guest on that actually was rescheduled a couple times over uh, we actually did a pre-recorded interview with him, a guy by the name of Robert Lindsay Milne, and and I'll I'll be honest with you, and, and I'll just say this kind of out front. 
you know, he, he's a renowned psychic, been doing it for, for, you know, 50 plus years. For those of you who are going to listen to the interview, you know, of course, we ask the basics, you know, what got you into this? What was your experiences? Da, da, da. But it does end up with a very surprising <laughs> ending. Yeah. So it's worth a listen to. Great to have him on. Um, I mean, I think he's a fantastic storyteller. This the oh, conversation absolutely. was pretty fun. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a, he was a really cool, um, entertaining dude, f- fun to talk to. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely that jaw dropping moment. There, there was a little bit of like, damn, you know. And the thing is, too, his his experience of how he got into there, and and you add not only what he does, but what he went through to get there, I, I think kind of added a little bit to like Josh said, he's a fantastic storyteller, but not necessarily yeah. a story. I mean, this was his life and this is kind of what he went through. Um, yeah. And we're always, you know, we've had psychics on the show before, but uh, I, I I don't know, boys, I can safely say that Robert's a little bit unique in some of the other ones that we have had on. So uh, yeah, definitely different. I would say um, also different in the outlook. Like uh, I know we're, we're dropping a lot of hints and trying not to spoil anything from the upcoming interview, but uh, uh, even like his uh, outlook for the future is different than people we've had on in the past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. You know, so with that, do you guys have anything else to kind of address or talk about, or do we want to jump into the thick of things? Let's fucking no, I jump. Th- I th- yeah. I think let's roll that beautiful right. bean footage. Let's jump into it. Everybody. This is an interview with a Canadian psychic. Robert Lindsay Milne, uh, open the gates. Robert Lindsay Milne has recognized across the continent as one of the most insightful psychic intuitive counselors of his time. He has traveled the world giving insight with his psychic uh, intuitive sessions to tens of thousands of people and... With that being said, we actually have him on Strange Uncle's podcast tonight and can't be more than happy to have him on. Um, we had some scheduling conflicts, and it's been a bit getting him on, but uh, just just amazing individual and, and can't wait, actually, to kind of pick your brain because the whole psychic world for us is, especially now in 2021 and everything else going on, is you know it's very relevant. So with that being said, Robert, thank you and welcome to Strange Uncle's. And thank you for having me on. I've really been looking forward to this uh uh, podcast today. Um, I, I'm really, I'm really positive and excited about it. Fantastic. Well, you know, hopefully we are too. So <laughs> we'll all be on the same page. Well, we'll know in about an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, number one, appreciate your time. You know, like we said sure. earlier, uh, sure. you know, what we do a lot with our interviews is, is we, you know, we really start from the basics, you know, for people who, you know, we have listeners that kind of cover, a little bit of everything, you know, mm-hmm. they could be in psychic, they could be into cryptid or whatever have you really, we, we just delve sure. in anything that's strange necessarily. Um, and, and recently I think a lot of people are embracing the psychic phenomena because they're, they're hoping for an answer for the future that, that is, <laughs> that is better. Let's be honest. Um, so with that being said, I, I just want to have you give you the floor to explain a little of your background, how it kind of started, what kind of brought you into this whole world. Okay. Well, um, for as long as I can remember back in my life, I've always sensed, I've known things. And as, as a child at, at four and five years old, I used to say things that would, 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 would get me into trouble. And I didn't quite understand why. And one, one time that comes to mind right now, I was I think I was in kindergarten or grade one or, you know, I, I, I'd come home from lunch or for lunch. And, and I said to my mother, 
Grandma Harris died today. Now, um, please understand, I, I'm just about 72, so um, that, that was a long time ago when that happened. It was in the mid-1950s, and, and, and news traveled slowly then. Grandma Harris actually was my great-grandmother, who lived in London, England, and I had only met her once. So I was maybe five or six. So it was unusual that I would think of that. So I told my mother, Grandma Harris died today. My mother got angry with me, scolded me, and probably whacked me for, for saying bad things. The next night at dinner, my father, my mother, and my, my, my sister and I were at the table. My mother said, Grandma Harris died yesterday. And I thought my dad was going to get angry with my mother for saying bad things. To my astonishment, they talked about it. So those types of, or, oh, hey, Uncle Harold, that wasn't Aunt Sally. Who was that woman? You know, whack. You know, I got hit for that one, too. So, so um, at a young age, I, I, I learned that I was sensing things, and, and I also learned to keep my mouth shut because um, I was never quite sure um that happened um that 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 is my early memories when i uh was about nine my father took uh, you know i'm a i'm a canadian i'm from 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 toronto you know that's my hometown we've got the toronto maple leafs and the blue jays and when i was a kid you know the goal the dream of every kid is to play for the toronto maple leafs my father <laughs> took me to a Stanley Cup hockey game, well, uh, uh, um, semifinal, Boston and Toronto. And um, the, se- the series was tied 1-1. Uh, um, the game was tied 1-1 at the end of the third period, and they go into overtime. I knew Gary Eman was going to score. So when the teams came on for the fourth overtime period, the first overtime period, I knew number 17 was going to score. It was so real. The game hadn't started. It was so real to me. It was as if he had already had scored. Huh. Anyway, the building gets quiet. Um, teams get on the bench and they get ready to drop. The referee gets ready to drop the puck at Maple Leaf Gardens. Imagine 18,000 people. The entire building is silent. The lights go down. The referee's going to drop the puck. And I see, believe in my mind, Gary Eamon's going to score. And I jump up and start yelling and screaming. (laughs) And everybody in the building looked at me and my dad. You lost your minds. My dad put his hand on my shoulder and he said, sit down. Hmm. And I did. But it wasn't an intimidating sit down. I then realized, though, when I looked around, nobody knew that Gary Eamon was going to score. Not even Gary Eamon. Oh. And at that point, I realized that I was seeing things that other people weren't. And it was astonishing, shocking to me. Anyway, a couple of minutes later, by the way, Yeman wasn't on the uh, starting uh, lineup. Um, you know, oh, a couple shit. minutes later, he jumps over the boards. You know, a guy named Red Kelly passes the puck to him. Yeman tips it in the net. The building erupts. And I just stand back or sit back and I look at everybody yelling, screaming, uh, cameras going off, cheering. Um, and, and 
that was my introduction. That was when I knew I was different. And that was when I knew what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I will be I damned. Knew, I knew what the past was. And that, that's how it happened. It, it's all about hockey. Hockey's got to be behind it, at least one way. Or another. It was. It was. <laughs> that's right. That's fed. So, so that's how I realized that I was doing things differently. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that I, I, I learned that I needed to be careful um, w- w- with how I said things. And uh, so that, that's how I realized. So explain a little bit to, sure. you, know, you know, again, that's a nice, and thank you very much. That's a nice space for explain your tea room experience, because that's, I think, kind of what got you into the light a bit. If I was, um, the way I ended up working at the cozy tea room in Toronto, I was 15 and a half years old. And um, I was uh, um, living on the streets um, in those, actually the first time I was 14 and a half. And and, and I was living um, in, in the streets. I was a homeless kid. And I survived by my intuition, my psychic ability, my, my um, uh, awareness. And uh, both of the times when I, I, I was homeless at 14 and a half and, and, the, and the police eventually caught me and took me home. And then at 15, I was again on the street. I was always offered the, an opportunity to solve a problem and kids on the street get into problem, get into trouble and there are problems. I was always had the opportunity to solve the problem using my intuition, my psychic ability or instincts, or um, do an illegal or an immoral act. Most of the time I survived by my instincts or intuitions. Uh, there were a couple of times I, um, to survive, I had to do both um, uh, more immoral more as opposed to illegal. Um, so I heard that if you worked at the cozy tea room as a reader doing tea leaf readings, I heard that if you worked there, you would get a sandwich, you would get, first of all, you get a sandwich, a cup of tea and cookies. And if you worked in the afternoon, you got paid at the end of the shift. If you worked on the night shift, the evening, you'd got a hot meal, um, cookies and a cup of tea, and you got paid at the end of that shift. And, and I went down to the cozy tea room and applied. And the way I got the job was I did a tea leaf reading. I'd never done a tea leaf reading before. I did a tea leaf reading for the owner, Mrs. Cox. And, um, and, and by the way, all those years ago, I couldn't read tea leaves and I still can't. What, what, I, what I would do is I would, I would hold the teacup in my hand and I would look up at the person that I was doing a reading for and then I would just talk to them. And, and um, I've never used a medium. If I have, it's only because I had to do it in that moment to, to be able to do the job. So, so I applied for my, that job. It was, it was um, January 17th, 1965. And um, wow. I applied there. That afternoon I started and, and I uh, worked the afternoon shift and got a sandwich and I worked the night shift. And that day, that night I got paid. Um, that night I had a place to sleep. And the next day I had a job to go to. And I worked at the cozy tea room um, till I was about 21 and, um, I would work five, six days a week. And, and, um, my whole purpose in those days was doing, by the time I was about 21, I had done several thousand readings. 
by that point. I'll be damned. I, so, so this is a question. Well, a few people have said that about me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think about all of us at least once. Yep. You know, it's not actually a bad thing. Sure. You know, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, so I'm pulling up some uh, some of your you know your bio on your side. And I, mm-hmm. I've got a quick question on my side, and then John, Josh, feel free to kick it. Take some shots. Go ahead. I love it. <laughs> right. I love it. I um, really do. <laughs> this is so yep. the title that you're using. Um, yeah. When it comes to being a psychic intuitive counselor, I, I will be honest, and, and you know I might be ignorant on my side. You know, of course we, you know, I've studied, you know, psychics and the phenomena, and and some people say we all have it, some people say we don't. Some, you know, it goes back and forth. But just that title alone, that sounds unique yeah. to me. Is that something that you kind of have have melded into over the years, or yes. Okay. Yeah. As as a matter of fact, that that is, I I really don't care what 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 people call me. I I I don't care. All right. I don't like being called a jerk or anything. But 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 I really don't. I I don't care what psychic label um, that that they 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 have for me. I've never actually used a medium. <coughs> Excuse me. I've never actually used anything like that. When I do a reading, it's a, more of a monologue. So, so um, I don't ask questions. So when I actually I do, I ask two questions: How old are you? What month is your next birthday? That that's it. Um, and then I uh, I tell the person what I'm going to do, and then I just um, talk about their life. And when I do that, the reading the reading's about an hour. I go on a one about an hour monologues, sometimes more, uh, very seldom less, and and I talk to that person about their life, and often I see their life from conception to completion. I don't spend a lot of time at either end of the, of the spectrum, as it were. I, I spend most times where 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 they are in the moment, where they've been, where they're going, and after I do that monologue, um, and, and I don't want people to interrupt. I don't ask questions. If I do, it's it's um, I, I might be having a little trouble understanding something I'm seeing, and I'll uh, the question I'll ask will require a yes or no answer. At the end of that monologue, then we deal with any questions that 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 they may have. Usually, all their questions are answered at that point. So, something we're fascinated with on our side is just, and it and it has changed, right? Because you know we're in the yep. midst of COVID. We're in the midst of you know now yep. we are social creatures. Now we are yep. not allowed to be right. Yeah. So when you talk about getting con- having that contact with the initial person, like back in the old days, you know, I'm sure yep. if somebody comes to you, 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 yep. you know, you have that intuition, that feeling with them. Um, so, and this is kind of a two parter, so bear with me. Yep. It's one of those things where how does that start with you as a psychic, where you can go down the road to really, to feel okay. that person, feel that intuition, but now you add this thing that we do with Zoom, for example, because I do notice you still do it. How how does all that kind of encompass itself together? What what a great question. So so to begin with, um, I've been a performing after after I left the tea room. I I, I be, um, in, in my mid twenties, I became a performing psychic, appearing on radio and TV shows around most of the English speaking world, haven't been to Australia yet. Uh, but but there, there were years in my life where, where I was on the road um, you know, 40 weeks. Now, not 40 weeks in a row. You know, I'd go away for three, four weeks, come back for a week. And, and um, 
I, I would do open line radio shows and main and TV shows in mainstream media, uh, uh, media, sorry. And, um, I would, and, and in those days, and even now, if I do an open line, um, the, you know, the person comes on, I ask them to tell me their first name and where they're calling from. And from that, I just start talking about what's going on in their life. And, 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 and I do that stuff. Um, that wasn't invented when, when I was at the tea room. Those kind of things didn't happen. So again, we're talking about in the 60s and in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And after a while, I, I, when I left the tea room, because I, I, I really, um, um, you, know, I used to, I, I, you know, I worked very hard. I was really disciplined. But, you know, I was a kid and I, and I really had kind of an attitude. Well, I still do. But, but I, had a, had a, I had an attitude and, you know, me and the owner, I'd, I'd often get fired or, or, or I'd quit, one, one of the two. And, and um, at around 21, I just decided I wasn't going to do that anymore. Um, and I ended up living at and working at a flea bag hotel in exchange for room and board. And that gave me the opportunity to do different kind of readings. And I would be taking, I was secure. I was doing readings for street people, drug addicts, um, and all those. Um, and I was very close to that, that lifestyle. At that point, I thought to myself, this is not what I imagine my calling is. Living like this, um, doing readings like this, um, and and I, in a way, made a deal with the universe, and I and I and I basically said, if I'm going to do this work, I'm going to live well. That's that's the deal, you, you know. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not gonna live in a flea bag hotel. Um, I, I, I'm not gonna be like that. I'm, um, I, I, I wasn't looking for millions of dollars. I was looking for, and I have it, a, a, a good lifestyle. Um, but I realized, how could I get it at at at, the, at, at this hotel? And I thought, okay. If I can do readings for people in person, could I do readings on the telephone? So in those days at the hotel, it was one of those old fashioned um, plug in switchboards and all the calls would have to go through the switchboard. And I would call out and the uh, guy on 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 the desk would have to make all my calls. I would phone friends of mine and I would practice doing psychic readings. It was unheard of when, when I started doing that. Nobody knew, nobody had even considered that. It was like four, more than 40 years ago. And I, I did that every day um, for several months, calling people. And then I asked my friends, you know, would you tell your friends um, I'd like to practice with them and they'd give me their number and people would wait for me to call. And I did that for another several months. And then I just gave out the number at the hotel and in my name and to everybody in Toronto and say, listen, if you want a psychic reading, call me here. You know, so I'd get a phone call at three o'clock in the morning. No, hello. Hey, it's Joe. What can you tell me? Right. And I would go from asleep to awake and just just tune in and do readings. And then one day I said, how are you going to get paid for this? Because, because like, 
in those days, you know, credit cards were, were nobody had, almost nobody had credit cards. And, and um, no financial institution was going to let me be uh, um, uh, a, a MasterCard or um, uh, um, uh, a, a Visa merchant. They weren't going to let that happen. I didn't even have a bank account in those days. So I thought, okay. And, and, and by the way, someone mailing in a check, that's not going to work um, very often. So I thought, if I can do readings on the telephone, could I do readings on the telephone, on the radio, on the telephone? And once again, this was in the 73. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I thought about it and thought about it. And the only way that I could find out was to be on a radio show. And a friend of mine lived in a small town north of Toronto called Aurelia. Um, And they had this little radio station. It was either CJ or CFOR. CFOR might have been the station and CJOR would have been another station I was on in Vancouver, um, 2,000 miles apart. But, but the similar call letters. And I phoned that little radio station and the, and, and the um, uh, program director was a guy named Rusty Draper. He also was the morning man and the talk show host all in one. And, and I said, uh, you know, my name is Robert Lindsay Mill and this is what I can do. And he said to me, if you can do what you say, you're on my show tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. I'm sorry, five after nine. And if you can't do what you say, you're off my show at quarter after nine. And he said, other than that, come on up. It really was 100 miles, 110 miles north of Toronto. And I didn't have any money. I was, I was broke at the time. And so, <coughs> excuse me, that, that day, that late afternoon, I hitchhiked up to Aurelia. And, and I slept in the park that night. And um, the next morning, I swam in the lake um, to get clean, you know. Now, the radio show was being broadcast I know it was really, it was really <laughs> no, crazy. No, no, I'm, I'm, I, you're seeing my face. So for those of you listening, you don't see our expressions, but I did giggle a bit because I, I think that's the the byproduct of 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 talking to you is no, you know, your beginning of your career, you know, you were homeless, and that adds to I, I guess something to it if if that makes sense. So I, you when know. you develop your skill um, as a result of the need to survive, you use that to survive. Then then it's very very strong, and and and, and that 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 skill was honed on the street. Um, you know, and and I grew up in that era around prostitutes and pimps and drug addicts and 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 all those things. Hmm. And, and, um, so, so, uh, and, and, and that's how I was, you know, that's how I learned that that's how I developed. So, um, the radio show was being broadcast remotely at a Howard Johnson's in Aurelia, uh, to promote the, the restaurant. And I showed up at the Howard Johnson's that morning and they at first were wondering, you know, who was that guy? Cause like I looked pretty scuffy um, cause I, you know, slept in the park. And uh, anyway, um, the restaurant was completely uh, empty. Nobody was there. And I went on the air with, with, by the way, Rusty's still alive. Um, and um, I've connected with him a few times over the years. Wow. And um 
I'd never been on a radio before, but, but this was like at, at the restaurant. And um, we started talking and then, and they said, you know, tell me something about me. And I mentioned a name. I don't know why I did, but I used the name Richardson and something to do with business and his face turned white. And, and he got like really freaked out. And he said, then that you, you have to have checked me out. And I'm like, really? For where? <laughs> Um, anyway, um, just slept in the park. How did I have, how can well, I that's right. Out, right? And, 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 and they didn't have computers in the park, yeah. you know, in the seventies. <laughs> right. That, so, so, um, anyway, we started taking phone calls and at about 25 after nine, the restaurant, um, people started coming into the restaurant and then by like quarter to 10, the place was full. And Rusty says, you know, can you go on another hour? And I said, sure. And um, they filled the restaurant. There was a lineup outside. And that went on. And people started coming up to the microphone. And it was it was really a rush for me. Um, anyway, at about quarter to 11, Rusty said, can, can, can you do another hour? And I was, you know, I was like 23 or 24 or something like that. So I was really starting to say, sure. And I'd never done a radio show before. So so we did another hour. By the way, they cleared the restaurant and filled it up again. Because oh, nobody had done that. Like this was like this was like um uh, uh barnstorming. You, you know, like a plane flies in the you know, in the pasture, no one's ever seen a plane before. No one had ever seen this before. This was unheard of. And in those days, doing psychic readings was against the law in Canada. That law only got repealed July 1st, 2018. Wait a minute. Stop Yes, It was against the law? Against the law. Oh, I love Canada so much till right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) I'll get to that story. So so anyway, just just finish the story. So um, anyway, about quarter to 12, I look at Rusty and say, "Um, I'm done. I can't do anymore. And and, um, I was really frazzled and tired and hungry and blown away by all that had happened. And the radio show ended and, and people just rushed up to the stage and, and I was, you know, really spaced out and I, I just didn't know where I was. And Rusty grabbed my arm and the owner of the hotel grabbed my arm and they, they pulled me away and they, they got me in this other room and Rusty said, can you um, stay over and do a show tomorrow? And I said, I'm, I'm really sorry, man. I, I, I can't. I, I got a park um, I got to go to. I, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I hitchhiked up yesterday. I slept in the park uh, last night and, and, and I'm hungry and I, I got to go home. Uh-huh. And, and, and the owner of the hotel said, uh, well, we can take care of that. Oh, cool. Cool. And he said, you can stay here. Uh, you stay over. You can stay here. You, you know, you can have anything you want. You, you re- be a regular guest, no charge. And Rusty said, no, I was getting five bucks a reading in those days in Toronto. And Rusty says to me, do you do readings? And I said, yes. And he said, um, we can have one of the, the secretaries at the station book appointments for you. And the guy that owned the hotel said, you can stay here as long as you want doing the readings. And Rusty said, how much do you charge? And I said, $25 a reading. And he said, you'll never get that here. 
And I said, I don't care. <laughs> Howard Johnson's is a lot better than Larry's Hideaway, let me tell you. <laughs> um, and and I, I didn't care. Um, anyway, did the show the next day. They booked 125 readings. I'll be and damned. I got 25 bucks in cash, 125 times. And I had this one. It took me um, about 10 days to do all those readings. And um, I had a wad of cash that I, it was, it was just unbelievable. Hmm. I went back home to Toronto, um, to Larry's Hideaway. I got a newspaper, looked in the wand ads. I found the furnished apartment and I went to the, you know, and I, and I paid six months rent and I moved into that apartment and never went back to Larry's again. I mean, damn success stories. And, yeah. and that's how I started doing radio shows. Yeah. Yeah, I get. If you don't mind, we're going to go on a quick Please. break, and then we want to come back um, because I, I, I personally am loaded with questions, but I want to, <laughs> I want to make sure that okay. we're on the same thing. Please throw them at me, like, and and if I'm if I ramble, guys, interrupt me and <laughs> ask another question. Yeah. I'm serious. No, no, no You're worries. Just no such worries. a great storyteller. Thank it's, you. It's hard to interrupt. <laughs> well, let me tell you some more of that, and then. They can all be proven. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we will be back uh, with okay. Robert Lindsay Mill and give it just a little bit. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. Yeah, so Robert, I was just kind of just curious, um, is there a difference? Would you say there's a difference between intuition and psychic ability? No. Are those kind of interchangeable? They're interchangeable. Um, so psychic ability, you know, people tell me I'm gifted. Well, I've worked my ass off my entire life. Um, this, this has been my life's purpose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the first several years working at the tea room, um, I'd work five, six days a week, sometimes even seven. And some days I would see 30 people, sometimes 10. So, when I got to about 21, I knew this was going to be for sure what I would do. And I had heard that when a young man becomes a priest, he makes a vow to um, say a mass every day of his life. So I made a vow back then that I would either practice or do a psychic reading every day of my life. Mm. And um, I, I, I managed, I went longer than, I, I did more than 30 years without missing a day of practice or doing readings. And, and the reason I missed a day was because I wanted to feel what it was like not to do it. I just yeah. wanted that experience. So um, I don't know why I went down that path with you. So well, I, I've always been, but every, here's what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Being psychic is a normal, natural instinct that just about all mammals have. So being psychic is an instinct, it's natural. And almost everyone has it. 
Now, there's one person, if you think of a bell-shaped curve, there's one person at one end that has absolutely zero awareness. And then on the bell-shaped curve, there's another at the other end that's absolutely 100% awareness. And then everybody else fits in between. Uh Have you ever been sitting in a restaurant or a place and you look up and someone's looking at you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's being psychic. Or have you been thinking of a friend you haven't heard of for a while? Then you hear from that person. Yeah. Okay, that's being psychic. That's the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and with practice, you get better at that. That's and what, what, is a, being, what is practice? Does practice, is practice just doing, like focusing on that? Or because well, I, I definitely have had some intuitive moments where I'm like, yeah, wow, holy, that's weird. Holy, holy yeah. crap. Wow, I just thought of that. That was really weird. But, you know, I, I don't think anything of it. You know, I kind of just toss it over my shoulder, chalk it up to weird. But yeah, what is, so, you know, if you, if you need to be good at hockey, you know, you go to the ice rink every day and you skate and you skate and you skate. How, how does like practicing for a psychic ability, how does that okay. come like? Well, one is doing the readings. Mm-hmm. So I used to teach a seminar. I haven't, haven't done it for several years. It was a one day class. And, and, and by the way, everything that I do, Every reading I do, everything that I do related to being psychic, I guarantee 100%. So um, if I do a reading for you, I guarantee you that from the time I do your reading, and they're always recorded, and you always get a copy, um, from the time I do your reading till the ending of my life or yours, and preferably yours first, (laughs) um, if for any reason you feel that you did not get a good value for your money, you get your money back. Mm. Just like that. No question. Now, you don't get today's money. You, you know, like if you had a reading from me 20 years ago, you, you get, you know, you get the whatever it was 20 years ago, you get that money back. You don't get today's money back. So, okay. so that's always been the case for me. Um, and I don't do a reading for every single person that books an appointment. Because unless I believe I am doing the absolute best that I can do, I don't do it. That's just the way it is. So I used to teach this one day uh, uh, workshop on how to be psychic. And I guaranteed anyone that would sit in the class, if you do what I show you, you will do psychic readings for strangers that day. If not, I'll give you back your money. And I taught that class. The biggest group was a little bit more than 300 and the smallest was 10 and everywhere in between. And over the years, I only gave back money twice. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So Um, how does that? Yes. First of all, do do readings take it out of you? Is there some type of? um... No, but the bullshit in between does. Um, yeah. <laughs> dealing with people, you know, that, that wears me down. Um, you, you know, dealing with, with, with other stuff, um, is, you know, the, what goes on outside the reading is, sure. is, is, is wearing and tearing. Yeah. Now, um, so being, so, so practicing being psychic. So sometimes I will just focus, um, and I'll think about a situation or a person. I'll get into that mindset. Um, on, on, on a day off or when I'm not doing readings. But I would rather um, do readings um, as, rather than practice. 
So if somebody just happens to call me at the right time and I answer and I need to practice, they're going to get, you know, they're going to get a load when, um, when, when we're talking. Mm-hmm. And that also goes with my friends. So. Yeah. <laughs> to, to clarify. So in your years, I mean, obviously yeah. it's God, you've got water under the bridge and all your experiences, everything you have. Yeah. When you look at 2021 or, or even, mm-hmm. you know, the last four to six to eight years, you know, times have changed. Technology has changed. The world has changed. Um, when you look at how psychics are viewed, how is it compared from the past to where we're at now? Like wh- where does that, where does that lie for, I guess the, the, the folk that, you know, you know, this isn't a daily thing for them. When I started doing readings, you know, my father, he, my dad's 92. Well, next month he is. My dad just stopped working last year. Um, and, and we were estranged for a long time as I was with my mother. Um, my, my father would, would, would say to me that he, he would go to his grave believing his only son was a fraud and a charlatan. Uh, you know, that, that, was, you know that, that, that caused a bit of friction between us. And, and um, the other thing that he would say is that I was the only guy he knew that never had a job. And, and, and that wasn't a compliment. So, so it wasn't accepted. Um, being Doing readings or doing tea leaf readings um, – they were often done over at somebody's kitchen table, uh, um, that, that it would be a profession, that it would be a career. Um, when I started, it, it, it just didn't happen. Um, so, so that's one thing. And um, in, in, in Canada, it was against the law. So, so in, so people would get a tea by tea, get their tea leaves read and there'd be a sign on the wall that said that, you know, tea leaf readings are for entertainment only. And they got around the law. Um, It went from in my early days when I would be doing a show, a live performance, religious groups would protest outside the hall that I would be performing in. Or if I was at a radio station, um, religious groups would protest my appearance. Um, or at a hotel that I'd be staying at. It, it went from being um, weird to people starting to become more mainstream. And what really has happened over my lifetime is that it's become mainstream rather than it was, you know, getting a reading was, or, or, or doing readings was in, in the 1950s was on the same level as like being an abortionist or something. It was, it was, it was a terrible position. Uh, not that the abortionists are bad today, but, but in those days it was, <laughs> yeah, see how yeah, I cover my, see how yeah, I just yeah, yeah. covered my ass like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody back then. Yeah. We yeah. know their yeah. viewpoints. How does, how do these, how do these thoughts come to you? Oh, great question. Um, I just know. Hmm. So when I'm doing a reading for you or, or, or anybody, now, now if I'm doing like, like a, you know, a two-minute thing, that's another story. But, but when I actually do a, a, a psychic reading, sometimes, and, and I ask people, please don't interrupt, because if you do, um, I'll, I could lose my train of thought. Because what I'm thinking about, 
isn't necessarily what I'm saying. Or what I'm saying isn't necessarily what I'm thinking about. Because when I'm doing a reading, I'm often thinking about what I've said, what I'm saying, what I'm about to say, and maybe what I might be doing later on that day. So if you could imagine four screen, screens on the wall and each, each screen playing a different channel, um, that's sometimes the way it is for me when I'm doing readings. And they're all playing all at the same time. And I kind of tune in to them. And, and um, you know, I just go from one, one to the other. So, so um, I sometimes don't know what I'm going to say next. Mm, yeah. I just say it. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Is there, so people, I feel like, my little understanding people go to, to psychics to be like, uh, you know, my, my deceased mother, does she have, yeah, I don't do that kind of stuff. Well, I'm not that kind of psychic. Okay. Okay. So Um, you you don't deal in the, in, I guess in that, in that realm. I, I, I hope it comes across, you know, I, I'm a really down to earth kind of guy. Mm -hmm. Like if you wouldn't meet me on the street, you wouldn't say, well, this guy's a psychic. I could just tell. Right. Um, uh, So, so for the job I do, I'm really down to earth and I'm, you know, one of the folks. Um, So the type of readings I do are about how your life is going. Mm. what what got you to where you are yeah. where you can go if you want um that, that's the type of stuff that i that i deal with and and i i'm also the type of person and in some ways i'm i'm a one-trick pony and this is what i've done my whole life uh, uh um and, and i really understand it my focus isn't so much on what's going on in the world my, my focus is the person in front of me. Uh-huh. I'm not smart enough to change anything in the world. I, I really am not. I'm not that bright. What, what I can do, though, is I can help that person, whether that person's hurt, whether that person's hungry, whether, I can help that person. And that's what I focus on. And, and my instinct is and I think a lot of people that do my work, similar work to me, uh, I, I think we all pretty much think the same. Well, for me, my instinct is not what I can get, but what can I do? Mm-hmm. Oh, That's okay. my first reaction. You know, sometimes you you know that can cost a lot. <laughs> you know, because I you know I'm not look. Sometimes I'm not worried. I don't think about getting the money. I think about solving the problem or or or, or, or giving the service. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Amazing. What, you know, and I'm asking a psychic this, I guess, you know, what the future is holding. So, you know, you've done this for so many years, you know, mm-hmm. what's your, what's your, what's your horizon look like? You know, wh- where, where does it go from here? Do you just keep on keeping on or? For me personally, or, or for the world, for me personally, a little bit of both if you want. or Okay. Well, well, okay. For me personally, um, I will continue to do it now now several years ago about eight nine years ago i i um decided i wasn't going to do any more shows i didn't want to travel um it it was too difficult um it was too expensive um i was getting too old and, and i stopped doing shows um and i um i'm trying to remember why i was saying that so so i i got involved with a book 
about a, a guy that caught the world's most um, uh, potent super uh, uh, super virus, and that and that when you get that virus, you die. It's it's a super bug. It's it's one hundred percent antibiotic um, resistant. I helped an epidemiologist find the cure to that superbug. Oh, wow. And that patient was the first one. And it's in the book called The Perfect Predator that I mentioned in. Um, I'm just trying to remember. What did you ask me again? What was the question? <laughs> just what the future holds, you know, for, for oh, yourself Oh, what the future the holds. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So what the future holds. Um well, let's talk about your fabulous country, because because America <laughs> is a, shall we? America America is a fabulous country. Um, America does not have to be great again. America is great. Um, whatever has gone on in America over the past few years, um, perhaps needed to come to the surface, perhaps, but. In a year from now, um, the pandemic is going to be under control. Um, in, a, in a year from now, the economy in, in, in America is going to be, you know, charging along again. Um, America will have healed a lot of the, the um, wounds it's gone through that it's inflicted upon itself. It'll go through a healing time. America will become greater. Um, that, that's what goes on. Um, and, and, and America will continue to be the world leader in the world power. That, that, that's what happens in America. Um, the, the, the pandemic will be under control in America by the, the end of the, the autumn. Or, sorry, um, in, by the autumn of 2021. Um, the world will start opening up during that time as well. Well, and I and I think you know, despite America, you know, because obviously this is a is there some in, but- one of you three guys is having some kind of problems with your knee or leg or having some difficulty? Is, is that you, Shane? Who is that? Because I'm just I'm just feeling it now. Who is doing that? Uh, yeah, I, I've got okay. a, I've got a bum knee, and it like I'm I woke sorry up this morning. It. I absolutely can't. Yeah, it's been that's fun. Yeah, funny you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been an issue. Yeah. Do you know why I knew that? You know how come I knew that? I, I don't, sir. Because I'm psychic. Touche. <laughs> I, <laughs> I fell right into that one, didn't I? God damn it. Uh, oh, it was easy. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's actually, uh, that's actually, yeah. I think that's, that's the best yeah. joke ever told <laughs> on this show, ever. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. Anybody else had questions? I, I got to go tend to my knee, evidently. Yeah. I've got issues over here. So. Um, you may end up having surgery on that, Sam. Yeah, that's I'm I'm yeah I'm postponing. And and, and and when that happens, um, you know, about six seven months after that, you'll you'll be um, running around and and uh, pretty active again, acting like a kid again. Well, most importantly, what you won't be doing is going through a lot of pain. Yeah, I'm I'm tired with that. For sure. Yeah, it's really so. tough, man. It's wow. really tough. Wow. Okay. Now you got me. All right, John. <laughs> wow. No, I'm I'm almost kind of speechless. That's uh, yeah. That's, that's kind cool. of yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Wow. Uh, so yes. Michelle, Michelle ha- has some talking points here. And, oh, did she? Okay. And one of them, it's one of the questions is who's Dr. Stephanie Strathy and Dr. Thomas Patterson. Oh, I and, just did. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to know who that is and what significance okay. these people. Have. All right. Um, so Stephanie Strathy um, has been a client of mine maybe 30 years. And when she came to me for a reading, it was in Toronto. She's a Torontonian. And Stephanie had just finished her, ma- her, her doctorate degree in epidemiology. And, um, and Stephanie um, is, at this time in her life, is a noted epidemiologist. And um, she is a professor of epidemiology at, at the University of Southern California. She's an associate dean of, of the Department of Epidemiology. Her husband, Tom, uh, uh, um, is a professor of um, experimental psychology and something else. And he's a professor of psychiatry. He's also um, an associate dean at the same university, and and they're both um, like like these brilliant scientists. They go away on a vacation, and and, and Tom, I've done readings for Tom as well, um, and they go away on a vacation to Egypt. And the year before, and you know, Tom is a really big guy. Um, he's like six five. Um, he, he's, he's now in his seventies, but, but, um, he, he's the kind of guy you would remind you of like, a um, a real life Indiana Jones kind of guy. He was, he's a, in the field researcher. And, uh, when he was in his, uh, late twenties, he got kidnapped by the Sandinistas and, you know, South America. And he, you know, got in this prison camp and just about starved to death. You know, he just is this rugged kind of guy. Anyway, he ballooned up to over 300 pounds. I did a reading for him and I just said, Tom, you know, like this is getting really serious. You've got a problem here. It's in your stomach. You got to get it fixed or else. And then I also said, by the way, at a certain time, you're going to have lost more than a hundred pounds. You're going to get really sick, sicker than you possibly, as sick as you can possibly be without dying. Mm. You'll make it through and you'll lose more than a hundred pounds. And then I said, it's up to you. You could maybe lose the weight and avoid the illness. And I just said, Tom, you can do it the easy way or the hard way. So Stephanie and Tom go on this dream vacation. They go to Egypt and Tom contracts the, um, this, this most potent superbug. Um, and as well as um, he's got some other kinds of infections in his abdomen. He gets the superbug um, and that means he's going to die. There's just no cure. Gets medevac to uh, Germany and Stephanie and, and Tom and Stephanie called me and um Actually, it, and it's in the book. When when she called me, what I said to her is, "I've been waiting for you. What took so long?" That that were my that were they were my opening words to her. And then you know we talked about Tom, and Stephanie decided in that time period that she was going to find the cure for her husband's disease, hmm. incurable disease, and um, it became a worldwide event with scientists and some of the most brilliant minds on the planet. Um, that got involved to find the cure for the superbug. And my role 
I had a psychic link with Tom when he was in a coma. He was in a coma for eight months or seven months or something. And I knew what was going on with him 24-7. I knew. I, and and everyone thought he was going to die. I was the only one that said this this guy's going to live. I and and um, I knew it by the, I, I visualized the candle in the candlelight. And when the light was strong, I knew that he was okay. When the light flickered, I knew he was in trouble. And there were several times when Tom got into trouble. He was in a coma, and I knew what was happening, and I knew what he needed. And if, if, if I hadn't have been doing that job, he would have died. And there were just three separate occasions where if, if I hadn't have been doing the work I was doing with Tom and Stephanie, he, he would have died because nobody knew what he needed in that and when he was in the coma. Uh-huh. Well, I did. Um, wow. I had a meeting with Stephanie every single day. And, and, and by, by the way, Stephanie has got a mind and a memory like Sheldon Cooper, you know, the guy on um, the Big Bang. <laughs> Big Bang Theory, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Now, she's not quite as geeky, but, but she's got a memory like Sheldon. Um, and so every day I would, she would go over what I t- tell her. And so I was getting critiqued by this mental giant um, every day. Um, and to the whole time, um, I, I never missed anything big, wow. never once. And, and um, I helped her find the, the, what eventually. Are you interested in what the cure was to this? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of looking at this, the story on BBC about Tom and Stephanie. Just kind if, of you, um, if you go to my website, there's a link that'll take you to um, it, the three of us did an interview a um, few months ago, and it was the first time the three of us together actually talked about what happened in the book. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. wow. And, and they were talking about what, what happened. Anyway, um, so I actually told Stephanie that she could find a cure and she set out to do it. And she had narrowed it down. Now, believe me, I am not the star of the story. My part was helping Tom, but there were a lot of other people that did a lot more. My job in the moment was keeping Tom alive, and I did it when I needed to be. I, wasn't on, I, I didn't do that every single day. There were other people that did. Okay, so, so I, I was not the star. I was doing a supporting role. If I didn't do the supporting role, that it would have been a different story for sure. Uh, wow. So I want to say that. I want to make that really clear. Yeah. So Stephanie um, ran everything by me because we had a meeting every day. And she had narrowed it down to three different um, – because they, like, they only had enough time to do one, you know, to do one – make one choice. And it, she narrowed it down to three possibilities. And she was running them by me. And she said, the first one, this is called phages. And I said, that's the one. And she said, well, let me tell you about it. And I just said, that's the one. And she said, but let me tell you about the other two. And I said, this is the one. Huh. She insisted. So I said, okay, you know, okay. And, and, and she told me about the other two. And I said, yeah, the first one. And she said, why? And I said, because... The phages are like little Pac-Man. And what they'll do is they'll go after the superbug and attack and kill the superbug. 
And that's exactly what the phages do. Gentlemen, do you have any idea what phages are? Uh, I do not. No, no, no. Phages are excrement, and they're harvested from pure raw sewage from the sewer. Turds. And, <laughs> no, seriously, really. Now, now um, Stephanie didn't invent that. Uh-huh. Now, I'm telling you the truth. It's all documented by these scientists, right? It's like, it's like I'm really telling you. So, I, I 100% believe you because I have an article that's just okay. right here, you know. Like okay. It's just so, uh, three days after the phages were administered, Tom. There it is. Coma. Right. And yeah. this is Absolutely. BBC. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so now, now phage therapy was, was um, done by the Russians in the 1920s and the 1930s. And, and what they were doing, um, they were treating um, uh, lower, lower uh, organ uh, diseases. So, so bowel, uh, um, all that area. What, what they were doing is, is treating them with, with um, 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 a stool, raw turds. And, and the, the concept was the healthy bacteria will attack and kill the bad bacteria. Right. And they right. were getting a lot of success. Hmm. But then penicillin got invented. And, you know, when people had their choice, you can have a pill or a turd. <laughs> they went for the pill. You know, there's the odd weird one. But most went for the pill. Yeah, so, so, so phage therapy uh, became obsolete and just got buried. And then Stephanie found it and, and came be on. That, that, that's the story of the phages. I'll be damned. Wow. And, and and just for the listeners too, that so that book and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the Perfect Predator, correct, Robert? Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's called the Perfect Predator. Yeah. I mentioned in the book, I think twenty four or twenty five times. Yeah. Yeah, it's me. Actually, you know what? I might order that. That that's a, an amazing story. I, I just, if I hadn't have been a part of it, I wouldn't have believed it. It is. I will say that is. You can't make that up. That is something mm-hmm. that is just amazing. And you helped somebody survive. Uh, it's just, yeah. It, it, I've, I've like done that. that. that that's, I've, I've, I've done those things most of my career. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, wow. that, 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 that's the most, you know, I say that's the loudest one. You know, that's the one that got the most amount of attention. But, but, but um, I've, I've, I've been involved with hundreds yeah. Yeah. Wow. Them. Amazing. Most, most I don't even remember. Amazing. Yeah. Well, w- with that being said, I think that actually is a perfect note to kind of wrap this up a little bit. Okay. Uh, number one, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being thank so you. transparent. Uh, it's been an amazing conversation. Um, can you. you let the listeners know where they can find you, follow you? Yes. Uh, well, you can just um, log on to my website. It just happens to be robertlindsaymilne.com and uh, you can also find me on Facebook uh, Robert Lindsay Milne um, you can find me on um, uh, uh, Instagram uh, again Robert Lindsay Milne and you can send me an email but you can do that through my website and incidentally um, there is a link uh, to the perfect predator on my website yeah, and what we'll do is we'll put those in the show notes too. We'll put those Please. links in there where people can reach out to you. And I, Thank you. and I, you know, and maybe I'm just speaking for me, but first of all, the knee thing kind of set me back a bit. 
Thank you. I just wanted you know, to get your attention. You you did that <laughs> for, did. Sure. <laughs> for sure, for um, sure. And with that being said, too, you know the links are in the show notes, and and I think yeah. in this day and age, and and what we're going through as as people, um, you know, maybe it's worth reaching out to kind of get, if nothing else, some emotional and mental physique about ourselves because I, I think yes. a lot of us are lacking nowadays, yes. and it's not I a think good. That's thing. really important to be kind of reminded of maybe a track you need to stay on or a track you need to get off of or. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. If you don't mind, hang on, Robert, we're going to wrap up the interview, but hang on for after. Uh, We just want to do some thank yous off air and uh, everybody that was a Robert Lindsay Milne. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you listen back to the interview too, and and I'm still a bit aback, I guess, on my side. Not just because it was, but it could have been about any one of us. But that little tidbit was one of those. Not me. I'm a paragon of health. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. So did I. I thought so. I don't know. I don't know. Very. Um. If nothing else, and and you know, we're all into this weird, whatever, strange. And and you know, I I believe in psychics. I believe there are a lot of fake ones. I believe in what the fuck is that show? Rhode Island Psychic or whatever bullshit that's on Long, Long Island, Island Medium. Long, Long Island Medium on that fucking A cut, bro. Yeah, well, okay, you know, there's different sides of that whole thing. Right? No, who's uh, real, who's my not? girlfriend loves that show. I think she's an absolute fraud. <laughs> Does she really? <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. God damn, up. Anyway, with that being said, you know, there's different kinds, and and I even have this conversation with Mike Purdue off of Orca or Paranormal Investigators about you know you really want to be careful of psychics because a lot of them. A lot of them are that, and a lot of them kind of front load questions ahead of you and plant things. And and we've all researched this. We've read books on this. Not Robert. You know, I, I just don't think there was nothing front loaded in that interview. It was him telling a story, his life, how he got into it, and then of course, you know, some of the bomb drops. Um, I, I don't re- yeah. I don't remember setting that up. And, yeah, and, I, no. I, now I, that we, I think probably with his just. Uh, not very common upbringing, you know, like living on the streets as a kid and everything. I mean, that sets him up to kind of view life also in a different way and where he is today. Absolutely. You know, and and nothing else, you know, if you're in that situation, like he said, you know, fight or flight, you know, you, if you have something, you're going to fine tune it because you have to, you don't really have a choice. You know, this is an environment that's around you. So what do you do? You know, it's just like, you're the only carpenter in town and you're going to lose all your business. Well, you know, fucking better become a better carpenter. So, you know, something yeah. be said about that. Yeah, um, I could, you I know, mean, there was something in me, some type of intuitiveness in me when we were talking to him that, like, I don't know, for some reason I could, like, just feel that he was genuine, at least a genuine person, you know, you know what agreed, I mean? Like, agreed. like yep. I was just like, I got a good vibe off of him. And then, yeah, I mean, so your knee is hurting you right yeah yeah my knee's been fucked for like the last three four months it's been getting worse and worse and worse and, you know, like i said um talking to you guys a little bit out of the break it, it's weird it's almost like a it's not the knee itself but it's the tendons in the back of it it almost acts like it doesn't want to fucking bend and so i'm mm-hmm. trying to walk on it. i'm trying to force it to bend and it'll be yeah, like that yeah. for like a week and and i'll pop three or four leave a day and gradually after a week it'll kind of go away and it'll be fine for the rest of the month and then it'll come right back down again and i would mm-hmm. just tell the wife and them apple cider vinegars bro yeah, I do. I take the mother cider. I, I just, well, I not, you know I would you know? take what Robert told you and schedule that surgery because 
sounds like it's going to be a long recovery, but once the recovery is done, you're going to be well, you know, up and moving just like regular. When my dad got his knee replaced at St. Mark's, they did a bang up job. A bang up job. Yeah, I get it. Well, here's I mean, the- he's old <laughs> as fuck and out golfing every day, so. It well, works. if he's golfing, that evidently worked. Well, it's funny too because literally just before the interview with Robert, I the wife was like, "You're limping. What's wrong?" And I told her. She goes, "It's coming back again." She goes, "You need to go get that checked." And I, I, anyway, you know, and I could have very easily, you know, when he said that, all of us were kind of quiet, and I could have fucking said nothing. But yeah, but then that wouldn't have been truthful no, on your end. Absolutely not. It was like, okay, describe how bad is my knee problem. But in all honesty, it, it's I can't walk ladders when it gets like that. Like I can't, mm. you know, steps are hard and it's, it sounds crazy, but it just is what it is. So that is so, God damn you, Robert. That's a thing. It is a thing. And that's, that set yeah. me back a bit. So honestly, well. like that's been one of my uh, favorite psychic interactions on the show because that's like immediate feedback right you know what i mean right because that's that's a pretty big dartboard to throw a dart at if he's just like really actually just guessing well yeah yeah and he could have picked he could have picked you know when you having migraines when you are having you know aches you know he could have been very general with i mean and he wasn't yeah like sure a lot of people have bad knees but that's like a very I think a specific thing to call out to like three random dudes you've only seen from like the neck up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, and it is kind of funny. I think that before we, uh, started recording the show today, before we interviewed Robert, I kind of texted you guys. I was like, man, you know, it'd just be cool one day to interview. Cause we have like lately in the past couple months interviewed quite a bit of, quite a bit of psychics out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, man, it'd be really cool if one day we interview a psychic and something kind of weird happens on air. Yeah. Like something while something recording comes and to something fruition. Going, uh, yeah. what? And, uh, you know, just like a, what right. the fuck moment. There you and, go. I mean, <laughs> that, that to me was a, what the fuck moment right there. Well, and, 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 funny and that, maybe, like, you know, maybe you got a psychic moment on that because you're, uh, that was in your mind. It was planted. So with that being said, number one, you also it was a great interview, and, and so Robert, thank you for coming on. We'd yeah. love to have you back on again. I just, I, I'm again, I'm set it back a bit. Um, when we're on that same topic, when we're all talking about this, so John, Josh, and I, so I'm in the middle of reading and researching some remote viewing books, and we do so for the Patreon listeners. By the way, this maybe won't be mainstream listeners for everyday audience, but I think more Patreon. Um, we're going to get into a little of the remote viewing, which I guess in its own form is a kind of psychic ability because, you know, <clears throat> you, you pick a target, you focus on that target and you, you figure that out. We're going to try to actually get that late February and, and record those sessions and, and very interested to do it. I, I'm kind of actually ecstatic. And so John, what you were saying earlier with, you know, texting and then all of a sudden, you know, we've got a, you know, we've got an answer to that text in a way, weird way. I, I, I don't yeah. know. You know? It's an answer to the text. It's an answer to your knee, and it's just like, yeah, unprovoked as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was, so that was like really it, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if anybody is in matrix, if anybody is in a, a need of a reading, I would highly, highly suggest yeah. giving Robert a chance. Yep, yep. And we'll put you. Uh, we'll put him in the show notes so you can reach out. You can talk to him, um, and you can follow website. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, again, a perfect predator is a book that he was uh, quoted in and, and he helped, um, Tom 
And, uh, you know, again, John, you know, looked at, had the BBC article right in front of him. So I don't know, you know, it, it, it at the end of that interview, it kind of turned my psyche a bit around and, and so Robert, you know, for, for, if you're listening, man, great to have you on. We'd love to have you on again. Um, with all that being said, we're going to wrap up, and and I I think I'm not psychic, but I do know our phone number, and it's eight zero one two five two sixty nine. Are you nah, not psychic? I, I, I don't have the the thing. Forty. The, what are the last two? Forty five. We need to put a clown horn on the soundboard. Damn it, we do. Shit, I was going to do that too, and I did not. Anyway. Um, <laughs> You should have been psychic with the whole thing. And I then, know. I, I didn't realize it was coming. I would have pulled it up on my phone and had a. Oh, that's my fault. I, I I got you. I cut you with your pants down. You know, maybe, hopefully, not literally. Um, or you can write well, us. Well, you can it only see zoom. me from the <laughs> from the from that waist up, from the picture. shoulder up, right? Um, you can yes, write us. You can write strange us, uncles. dear strange uncles. I never thought it would happen to me at <laughs> strangeuncles at gmail dot com. Absolutely. Social media, anyone? Yeah, we've got the Facebook, we've got the Instagram, we've got the uh, Twitter. Uh, my or we're Strange Uncles Podcast at Twitter. Or God damn, I'm just getting this all wrong. We're Strange Uncles Podcast at uh, Instagram and Facebook, and at Strange Uncles at Twitter. Absolutely. So um, that's really all I have on my site. Other than we do have interviews lined up, we're actually booked out through uh, some of March. We've got some other research going on. Uh, you know, we're in the thick of reading books and, uh, and again, you know, great to have Robert on and we're going to do the remote viewing thing, which, you know, poses to be fun. Of course, we're going to do social distancing, of course, trying to make that work Remote viewing. Yeah. You know, well, it's, the experiments have been there. So we'll see what happens. And then if anybody out there, you've got our contact info, if you have a recommendation or if you have a comment after uh, Robert's interview, uh, I'd personally be excited to hear about that and see kind of where you, you know, where you all stand. Um, I don't have anything else. You guys got anything on your side? Yeah, no. Um, I just back up what you just said for sure. Ditto. If anybody does end up hitting him up, I, we'd love to hear about it for sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, that's all I got. Thanks for listening, though. Um, we appreciate all of you people that listen for free, and then all of our Patreons that uh, listen to all the bonus content on Patreon. Um, we love you all, and thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. Absolutely. Go Jazz. And also go Jazz. Um, We're playing the Celtics here in about half hour. All right. Well, that being said, let's go watch a game. (laughs) (laughs) Close the gates, everybody.